Hello and welcome to the Desidora podcast. <laughs> you might be wondering why, my, why I am laughing right now because I just did a whole intro without properly thinking what we're going to talk about. So we're doing the intro again. But yeah, so today we're going to be talking about transport. And in other words, we have brought along a special friend of mine. And you probably have heard about him ever since episode one. Where I called him a megaphone, or I referred to him as a very annoying person. But I did call him a best friend. I hope that's so true up until now. But、I've, yeah, so would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Lexi. Yeah, so this is Lexi. But don't worry, Alan is still here. Say hi. Hi, this is Alan. So I've known Lexi ever since we were in year seven. Was that right, Lexi? That's right. And you might be wondering, is his real name actually Lexi? Well, there's a backstory to it, but we'll go into that at a later date. But so, we, we are all at an age where we're kind of, you know, leaving our families in a sense and getting independence ourselves, right? And one way,、uh, one thing about that, I guess for me, the biggest thing about independence is the moment when I got my driver's license, in a sense, where I can. Where I had my own car and I can, you know, drive wherever I wanted without, you know, carrying my mum around during the learner's period, right? So that was something of a true independence. I felt true in- independence when I got my license, in a sense. But what about you guys? Because I know Alan, on one hand, hasn't got his driver's license. How did you, in a sense, you know, feel like you want to be independent, but you're still going to rely on your parents on driving you everywhere? How does that make sense?、Um, relying on my parents to drive me everywhere? Where does that come from? So, first of all, it's 2021. You don't need to drive to travel. There's a reason there's a sophisticated public transport network in Melbourne. Yeah? You don't need to drive and you can get to everywhere. Right. But I think Lexi might agree with me on this point. What if you have to go somewhere that's not in the city? What if you have to go in the other direction? Right? Or what if you have to go through the city and go somewhere further away on a, you know, maybe a regional field trip? Would you consider still taking the bus, maybe the V line? Or would you say you're totally stuck? What is your view on this, Lexi? So, so I think、uh, one problem when it comes to relying on public transport is that traveling to different like, suburban areas is a problem. Because, say, if you live in the south, southeastern suburbs and you want to go to the northern suburbs, you'd either have to go through the city or you'd have to take a bus route that will take like three hours to go to the northern suburbs. So,、um, yeah, for sure, if you live in the city, then public transport is convenient. But most people don't live in the city, and I think. The Melbourne public transport network isn't yet good enough for you know, traveling, relying on public transport. So, in a sense, you're saying that the public transport is not as reliable, right?、Because、yeah,、I、you think... don't get the same freedoms. Yeah. Well, let's just take the reliability out for a second because we know that you know, every, some, some weekends, like, Sometimes, like every, every weekend, could be like a disruption of service where buses replacing trains and etc. right? Things like that happen. So, I guess it's a sort, 
sense of inconvenience. So what of, what is your take on this, Alan? If since you know you're so reliant on the public transport service, what if you needed to go somewhere else, right? Like our trip to Mambula. What if you have to go to Mambula? Are you gonna take the bus, and then take more buses to get up the mountain? If I can't get a ride, I won't go to Mambula. In the start, right? Yeah, but think about all the friendships, right? Think about all the fun things that we can do. Think about all the cookings that we've done, right? Whoa. Every single detail has to, you know, come together. If you, you know, what if you have to go, right? I think yeah, it it, it really like, um, really. Alan Alan's kind of making a point here where public transport is more of a limitation than a convenience because if you can't get somewhere, you just don't go. That makes it a limiting factor. Yeah, but then I guess it's not that limiting for me. Because I just don't go anywhere. Like, when is the last time I went out of my gate? It was probably when I got the vaccine, and then that's it for like three months or so. I'm not even joking. Oh, Jesus. Probably three months. So I guess I guess the limitation is actually small in comparison to the effort that I pay when I practice driving and stuff. Yeah. So I'm basically, you know, evaluating both sides. Yeah, but okay. Let's say. Because you've always been talking to me about independence in a sense, right? You're still living under the same roof as your, you know, brothers and your family and etc. So let's say you wanted the independence and you wanted to move into the, you know, move out, right? Move into the city, for example. How are you gonna move all your stuff? Yeah, but then moving out is just a one-time thing. It doesn't really affect like my independence in you know everyday life. And then, if you use that as a reason to convince me to learn to drive and buy a car, then it's just absurd, right? No one's gonna do it. It really depends on the demand for a driver's license. Exactly. Thank you. Doesn't Lexi. have doesn't have demand. Doesn't need to get anywhere. Doesn't need to travel. Then it makes sense for him to not get a car or a driver's license. But but I I do agree I do agree with Sylvan's point that the the majority the majority population should get a driver's license. The majority of population because they or for sub suburbs uh, suburban area population right. But but yeah, so Lexi, what what made you get your driver's license? What about you? Well. It's just the normal thing to do at an age, you know. Everyone when they were sixteen, were really eager to get their learners to drive, and I've got uh, I've got my first taste of driving when I was fifteen, actually, and not on public road, not no no no. I know the circumstance. It was on a closed course, right, on a private land that Lexi owned. Um, yeah, that's like right. That. That's right. Yeah. So you know driving on the public road has always been something that i wanted to do so yeah and i got my peace and i just have more freedom yeah so would you say your um your motivation to get the driver's license was more about an interest in a sense more of an interest driven that you want to drive on the road and have more freedom in a sense interest and convenience interest and convenience because lexi obviously you now live by yourself right so you do you really see how the benefits are seeping through? So imagine that if you don't have a driver's license, how would you cope right now? 
I think you'd still be able to survive, like with all the grocery deliveries and stuff like that. Um, really, that isn't a problem. But you know, when when lockdown ends, I'm assuming hopefully soon. Um, you know, we get our freedoms back, and I'll be able to drive to uni, for example. Yeah, and also we've been talking about this as well. So like. You talked about motorbikes, right? You talked about motorcycles in a sense. You really want at one point you were like to a, to em, to me every day, like sending me listings of bikes before you even like you still don't have a motorcycle license. But why are you so pumped up in getting a motorcycle license when you can already, you know, technically in my mind, it's the same thing, right? You can go out buy a car. Surely you go out in a bike. It's the same thing, right? It's just convenience and maybe the joy of riding. Yeah, not only the joy, but. Getting a bike is much cheaper than cars.、Um, you can get a second second hand bike for like five thousand dollars, and for our age group, especially, getting a car is really a big investment. And if we do get a car at low at a low price, it's not gonna be a good car. So, you know, that's what making that's what's making bikes so appealing, is the fact that it has a really Cheap price, right? So for you,、uh, the the um you know the motivation again, or the appeals of a bike is that it's cheap in a sense. It's affordable for you. Yeah, affordable、personally. for a good quality product. So affordable transport in a sense. Yeah, but how do you see the safety of it? I'm pretty sure most parents, or maybe just some parents, will be like super skeptical, right, about. How safe are actually、uh, the riding、um, conditions, right? Because my mom always told me that、um, for a car, it is the metal that's surrounding you, in a sense, right? So when you get crashed into, the first thing that the other car hit is the shell of the car. So you're inside, so you're relatively safer. But for a motorbike rider or for a motorcyclist,、um, you're wrapping around the metal shell, in a sense. So when the car hit you, maybe on the side. You're fully exposed to the environment, right? So, how would you see the safety of it, or do you think that the motorcycle industry or the safety standards has improved, and maybe the road rules, in a sense, has improved in order to, you know,、uh, accommodate for that safety concern? Yeah, look, I I don't think motorcycles are safe,、um, despite the like relevant standards for helmets,、uh, riding gear that's available on the market. Um and as you mentioned, road rules, road road rules. Um, I feel like no matter how good road rules are, it really depends on the other road users whether they can adhere to those road road road. I can't pronounce road road, road rules. rules. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah. So like motorcycles are not safe, but I have a really. Unique, pessimistic view on this. I feel like my life isn't really that valuable to the point where I need to be worried about, you know, being safe. Oh no! This this sounds like an Alan. This sounds、hey. like an Alan. Alan did、Welcome、talk about this. Welcome to nihilism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is nihilism. Um. But look, in like I'll be hopefully when I get my、uh, motorcycle license, I'll be 
riding for a few years and then when I feel like I need to be protected, when I feel like I am important to, you know, to people around, to the people around me, then I will, you know, take more of a responsibility for my life and my safety. Hmm. On a side note, right? From, you know, looking at a lot of TAC, for those of you that don't know what TAC is, it's basically the uh, Traffic Advisory Commission in Victoria, TAC. I think that's what it stands for, but TAC, you can search it up. Don't quote me on the exact wording of it. But from many ads of TAC, it appears that people over often start off with that mindset and they feel like, well, I'm going to be safe when I feel like I should be safe. But in those advertisements where apparently it's based on true stories and real life examples, most of that realization comes at the instant when something happens, like when something tragic happens, but it's not tragic enough to be fatal. You come to a realization that, okay, now I have to take it serious, but then you lose something, right? You may be not be as uh, flexible or you may not be as, you know, you may not be able to write again, but you come to the realization that all of a sudden my life has suddenly become important, but it's too late in a sense because at that instant you realize that okay crap i should have taken more care right what what's your point of view on this do you feel like you should really just be careful from the very start or should you just go for it and maybe one day when you start a family just hope that nothing happens in between and then you're gonna start be careful again i think we're talking about different points like i think you your idea of being safe or being careful is like saying that those people are reckless or not not really reckless it's a strong word but you know you know what i mean reckless but i i don't have the, that reckless calm mindset i think i'm willing to take up on the risk of riding a motorbike responsibly but the factors the safety factors that i can't control are that people will, might crash into me or something or I might run over something and, you know, fall off. That's something that I can't necessarily control if I want to ride a bike. So, you know, I'm responsible in the sense that I'm not being reckless when riding a motorcycle. I'm just making a choice to ride a motorcycle, which is inherently dangerous in itself. Right. So you're kind of depending it on luck in a sense. Because you say, I can't control it because it's going to be other people that's going to crash into me. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you can put it that way. Yeah, okay. Because I, I suppose, well, luck is always an element when you're on the road, right? No matter if you're in a car or not. Mm. Other people crashing to you, you can't really control it, right? Yes. Yeah. I agree. But coming back, to, coming back to something you said before, so referring back to something that you said before, uh, you talked about how it depends, the, like, there are definitely rules, right, that could be, or recommendations by the police, but it's hard to enforce how motorists, in a sense, um, you know, lead, either lead space or know when the motorcycle is turning or etc. right? It's hard to in- enforce, but so it's very much up to the road user's own r- sense of, uh, you know, sense of awareness. safety or sense of awareness. Yeah. So would you say that for motorists, it is uh, like, uh, sorry, do motorists include motorcyclists? I think they do, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I guess for car drivers or car users, in a sense, um, should they be more responsible on the roads rather than worrying about motorcyclists generally? Should we talk more? Should we raise the issue more on the, like, should we shift the responsibility 
responsibility higher onto the uh, people that are surrounded by metal shells instead of telling to the motorcyclists that they should be more careful. Um, with most motorcyclists, you will find that they have higher awareness to their surroundings than cars, car drivers do. Um, well, partly because there's less blind spots, but um, I think it doesn't matter how much you tell car drivers to be aware. They are the motorcyclists are always less protected than cars. That's just how motorcyclists are. If motorcycles are safe, then obviously there will be more people riding them. And like, you can't really blame. Well, yeah, in in crashes, maybe car drivers are the ones to blame for crashing your motorcyclists, but that's just the way motorcyclists are. Motorcycles so are. Yeah. So just be a sense of mutual respect. Yeah. So it has to be a mutual yeah. respect in order to have a safe, safe road out. There. Yeah, you can you can always argue that people should be more safe. Should, people should be more aware. But you know, motorcycles are in itself dangerous. Yeah. So Alan, in a sense, how do you look at the idea of motor、uh, motorcyclists? Because I know you're not familiar with either of the concepts. So if you're to choose between motorcycle or car, what would you choose? Oh, can I can I choose for Alan? Because Alan might not be aware that motorcycle licenses only require you to take a two day course and pass the assessment for you to be able to ride. So Alan earlier, I believe, mentioned that the effort of getting a car driver's license is not worth it for what he's gonna do, which is like not travel that much. Well, he could just do a two days course to get a motorcycle license, and he can ride alone. But on top of that, I'm actually very nervous or stressed when I'm driving a car, and the fact that you just said、uh, having a motorcycle license only takes two days just adds up to the nerve about driving a motorbike. You know, yeah, I don't think I would just feel comfortable, yeah, when riding a motorbike. What what part of driving is scary to you? Well, I don't think it's particularly scary. It just makes me nervous and. It requires me to put a lot of attention on it, which I just don't like. He's just a laid-back person. Considering what Leo just said, if you really had to choose,、uh, what would you choose, motorcycle or car? Um, I'll still say car because um, on on the other hand, I never tried a motorbike, and I have tried cars, so. Yeah, so I won't say driving a car is, uh, a very bad experience. Yeah, I just can't be bothered to do it. Yeah, I think I think I probably agree with Alan. Stepping in Alan's shoes, he probably wants some, like you said, right? He wants a chill back, relaxed kind of style. And I think probably car is the way to do it, right? Because if you stop sitting at a stoplight, you're on four wheels. You don't really have to balance or anything, right? But like on a bike, I don't. I'm pretty sure Alan, you've ridden a bicycle before, right? It's pretty similar. You have to, you know, make sure you don't fall, right? If your seat is too high, you might, you know, tippy toe, and it's kind of tiring as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also personally, I think I could be controversial, but I think, well, with a bike, right? Surely you can have storage boxes on the back, right? But how much of a difference is it compared to, let's say, 
e-bicycles, right? I think e-bicycles, obviously not legal in Victoria right now, but e-bicycles in a lot of countries, well, they kind of act like a motorcycle, right? They're just slower, but they do kind of, if you're just quite chill and just looking for a way to travel, can't you just get an e-bicycle, e-bike? In a sense, you don't even need a license for that, right? So how do we justify when to get a motorcycle and what's the appeal of motorcycle compared to, you know, what's the appeal of e-bike? I'll throw this question to Lexi. Uh, E-bike versus motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, motorcycle is um, like very... The the appeal for motorcycle is already very low. There, There is no... Almost. You drive on the road, sometimes you see one or two motorcycles. Right. Um, and compared to like hundreds of cars. Um, e mo- e-bikes, uh, I feel like Australia doesn't really have the facilities for the infrastructure, let's say, for e-bikes. Because there's no designated bicycle lanes in most of the roads. You go on Springville Highway and if you're on a bike, you have to either ride on the walking path. Or that's, Ill- that's illegal. Yeah, that's yeah, illegal. yeah. Or you, which which is safer, or you have to ride on the roads, which other cars are traveling at eighty k's an hour, and e bikes are like traveling at I don't know fifty forty. So well, yeah, you said yeah, you said that's safe safer, right? In a sense. But did you know, for you, like for a personal basis, like for your mind, it feels like when you're on the pavement, it's safer that you're not gonna get hit by cars. Mm-hmm. But have you thought about if you're traveling forty k on a uh, sidewalk and there's a car reversing out of a driveway and that house has a high fence maybe a tree fence something like that and you can't really see the car pulling out yep. until at the last minute that's also not safe right but if you're actually on the road so you might be traveling slower relatively to other cars like other cars may bump into you if they're not careful right but then on general basis if both sides are doing the same thing like you traveling on the let's say Springvale Road that you were talking about and then there's a car pulling out from the driveway, they will look for you, right? That They're both legal things to do. Yeah. So obviously that's, if everything is legal, then the conflict wouldn't happen. But I agree with you, right? So Victoria, in a sense, is Which is lacking. why hmm. there's no infra- infrastructure that's making e-bikes safe to ride, right? You can't drive on the highway, you can't drive on the path, you know, what can you do? Yeah, I don't think you can go on, let's say, Monash Freeway. Like you can't go on any freeways, with the bicycle or any like Balti Bridge, Westgate Bridge or anything like that, right? Exactly. So I suppose that also separates away from motorcycles and e-bikes in a sense. Motorcycles can go a lot faster and they can do all the things that cars do. They can go to places where cars do go, right? Yeah. Safety aside, they can do more. more. But, but today I actually saw something recommended to me on YouTube as well. It was in a sense, you know how car in the car world, um, the adoption of electricity or the adoption of electrified cars has really increased in the past 10 or so years, right? So you had the Tesla Roadster, which now became one of the most valuable companies by stock, by stock uh, in the comp- in, in the whole world. It overtook uh, Toyota for, right, for, uh, for a mile, in a sense. Not saying that that's exactly how the company is valued, but many people refer to it as a bubble. Right, but let's take a step back. It's very successful in a way, right? You can see a lot of car companies are starting to do it. Ford with the Mustang Mark E, 
of Polestar with the Polestar 2. And you also have, you know, Mercedes with the EQ series, BMW with their iCars, etc. Right? Obviously, Alan has no idea what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> nah, no idea. <laughs> yeah, but you see, the electrification in cars has, you know, come a long way, but it's starting to build up in all kind of car manufacturer, no matter if you're new car manufacturer like Rivian, Tesla, Remac, right? But also in those old, like Volkswagen, right? Volkswagen with the IDs and etc. So what about bikes? Apparently, on the recommendation, on the caption, I didn't click on the video, but on the uh, thumbnail, it said, e-bikes are failing in a sense that e-cars are, you know, success or succeeding, or it's going to replace ICE cars. ICE stands for internal combustion engine, right? But why is it not happening in bikes? Why do you think it's not happening in bikes? I have no clue. You don't have any idea? I have idea. no clue. What about what about from a enthusiast point? What do you think is so interesting? Like if you're choosing between an e-bike, right? Because you've probably never seen e-motorcycle before. Let's just say e-motorcycle does same does a similar thing compared to e-bike, but can travel further distances and also go faster. Yeah, look, look. Um, I've seen a few e-bikes. So, uh, e-bikes are similar to yeah, yeah e-motorcycles e are similar to electric cars where they are faster than ICE cars. Um, but I think I think the motorcycle market is made up of mostly motorcycle enthusiasts who are riding motorbikes for fun and for the old fashioned sound of the motorcycle. And e bikes just doesn't provide any of that really. Right. The like the high revving engine in a sense. Yeah, high revving. Yeah, yeah. 10 and 11,000 RPM, right? Hearing the bike scream down neighborhood streets where I hate. I really hate it when they do it 2 a.m. in the morning. Why would you do it, right? Do it in the day. Don't do it at night. But sure, I agree. Like, I can understand why they do it at night because, you know, um, well, just for the sake of them, right? Fun in a sense and sounds good. But yeah. Okay. So sure, I suppose... It's probably maybe the sound, the engine, the performance, more emotion in a sense, right? Just like how petrol heads are kind of sad to see, uh, you know, old fa old fashioned V8s and V12s go in the car industry, right? Well, another thing, right? Talking about e-cars, e another thing about e-cars, in I think in most people's mind is about when you talk about electric cars, the word innovation comes up in a sense, right? Does it pop up in your head? about innovation, maybe a tech fest? Yes. I feel like, yes. Alan, what about you? What if I tell you the word electric cars? What's the first word that comes into your head? Um, nothing. Nothing comes up to my mind. Well, maybe, yeah, car. innovation, probably. But it has been around for a few years, maybe 10, more than 10 years, right? Yeah. Obviously, innovation is not only happening in electric cars, but every electric car company seems to be outdoing some kind of tech fest, right? Uh, uh, like outdoing each other in like the tech area. How, you know, now I have three screens in the car. Now I have a huge middle screen in the car. Like the EQS with the uh, super, super screen. Is it what it's called? Well, it's always like, it's often like that, right? Tesla, minimal design, everything's controlled from the screen, right? It seems like electric car is not only electric, but it's trying to win you over because it's also technologically advanced. Okay, now, talking about transport options in a sense, 
Well, many electric cars now include, you know, all the safety equipment, right? Autonomous level four, level threes, right? Level four is where um, most cities where it can act autonomously, but you have to sit in a sit in a chair. But in Australia, at most, I think you're allowed an autonomous level two. In a sense, steering input is still required from you, but it will assist you in a sense. So, lots of cars already have those functions, right? Like auto emergency braking if they hit something. If they're about to hit something, not after they hit something. But then on the other hand, motorbikes are lacking in that area. And could that be why e-bikes are lacking? Because e-bikes are literally, when I say e-bikes, I am referring to e-motorcycles. Would it, would it be that it's because, well, e-cars are bringing so many new technology into car into the market and how they're, you know, autopilot, uh, pilot assist, whatever, you know, all the car company have their set of automa- autonomous driving skills. For a bike, though, because you have to balance itself. It almost seems like they just took the same recipe from many years ago when motorbike was first reinvented, changed the analog dial for the RevCondor into a digital dial, having more things to display and maybe Bluetooth functionality, which was in the car uh, 10 and 20 years ago as well, and just replaced the internal combustion engine with an electric motor and a few batteries. Would you say, is that why e-motorcycles are failing? Um, I feel like the comparison between e-motorcycles and electric cars is kind of unfair because um, bikes were like, became a thing much later than cars did. Um, and I don't know how many years later, but they came later. And there are technology in bikes, there are innovation. For example, traction control actually wasn't a thing in bikes until recently. It's be- and most like lower end kind of bikes don't even have traction control now. So, and same with the ABS. So, the braking systems, the computer kind of controls your braking, front the rear anti-lock. bias. Yep. Yes, the anti lock. Yeah. Yeah. So that is kind of the safety innovation bikes right now and i'm assuming that e-bikes e-electric motorcycles will have those whereas most petrol motorcycles don't but you know autonomy is definitely not i feel like not something that bikes will pursue in the near future Hmm. because more or less i think in australia australian painly speaking right many motorcycle riders because we don't have kind of the infrastructure where there's motorcycle lanes or something like that, uh, where they probably just, you know, are enthusiasts. Most motorcycle riders or most motorcycles riders are, would you agree that I call yeah, them enthusiasts? Yeah, e- even, even in many other countries, America, yeah. UK. Yeah. yeah. So most in generally they're enthusiasts, right? And then if we shift that enthusiast, enthusiast point of view into the car world, they're also car enthusiasts. And many, because the auton- autonomy is becoming so advanced and since human has a, a such bad track record with making mistakes, because we're humans after all, but machines are less likely to make those mistakes, right? P- statistics show, right? Human errors are kind of random because, well, we get fatigue, right? We, we, if we drive for too long, we get fatigue. Uh, for example, then let's say you've been driving all day and then, all, and then now you're going to drive all night. Something's going to happen because you're uh, going to be fatigued, right? Unless you're superhuman, but any but coming from that, in a sense, for machines, as long as they're not malfunctioning, as long as they 
so they're reliable machines and they probably work every single time. And every time, if you need to go to the hospital, you just press a button and it'll take you there, right? Ambulance even in the future. So in a sense, we're going to lose the steering wheel. And enthusiasts, in a sense, you know, car driving enthusiasts, uh, like myself and maybe you too, excluding Alan, but they're going to be, you know... That actually, that's actually one reason I'm not going to get a driver's license because I do believe that maybe in 10 years or so, there will be auto-driving cars, like full auto. Yeah, full auto. But then there goes enthusiasts, right? Do we really implement everything full auto or can we leave some cars on the streets that are still man-controlled for those enthusiasts? Well, surely there's going to be a period of uh, transformation, like... But I believe that in a very far future, maybe you say 50 years, probably there's only going to be automatic cars. That's what I think. Yeah, look, I think it's possible that in our lifetime, there will be, <coughs> Alan, you will be able to drive, drive it's a not car. not drive, it'll be ride. Yeah, ride a car without having a license. Yeah, so... Statistically speaking, I've seen this somewhere, I forgot where, but if you have a whole city that's autonomously controlled, like all the cars on the streets are autonomously controlled, then the streets are going to be really safe and the fail- failure rate is probably at like a 2% or something. But 2% then, is very have, high. <laughs> yeah, that's... Sorry, 0.2% or something. <laughs> sorry, 0.2 or 0.02 or something. I don't know. Very low chance. So just think of it as a very low chance. But apparently if you have a mixture, like there's still some cars that's controlled by humans, and they're going to be cars controlled by machines or AIs, they're going to, you know, react differently. For example, if you know, every human have a different driving style. So if, let's say, if the machine only has to know about how it will drive, then the streets will be safer. But if there'll be part human cars, part autonomous cars, every human is going to be different, you know, driving styles, then the AI has to learn a wide range of different driving styles. And technically, that would be impossible since everyone will be different. Some people like to creep a little bit at the red light. Some people like to slow down much later, right? And things like that. So apparently, so does that mean we really have to shift to autonomous at an instant rather than having the, uh, like, uh, the transition period that you two were referring to before? Well, financially no, and no, practically, think, you can't. Yeah. Because you have to buy yeah. another car, right? You can't just tell everyone to buy it uh, all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. but other, other thing, one of the other issues in the aut- autonomous world is that in the future, apparently, we're not going to own cars anymore. It's just going to be walk out onto the street on the side of the street. There will be car share services. Those services will just pay a subscription and we click and just getting hopping a car, close the door, click the destination on your phone and the car is going to take you there. So we don't even need to own cars. There will just be cars parked along the curb. Yeah, no, the ideal kind of like situation is that for Alan, I feel like, is that one day you're able to be able to try, walk out, not own a car, just jump in a car without a license and get to wherever you want. And there is a, I'm not sure if everyone's familiar, but there is a company that's already doing this, Citroen, with the Citroen Ami, which is available for rent for i believe 23 dollars a month oh yeah i heard about this apparently it's a very small car it's very yeah, slow it's very small and, it's very slow but and in france year olds, yeah when you're over 16 in france or is it over 14 that you can drive it on the road legally yeah 
So, so Adam, do you want to move to France? Well, <laughs> do you want to move to France? That does sound very appealing, and it's I think it's cheaper than my Adobe subscription. That does sound good. Yeah, I think. Don't you think that that's the kind of thing that will yeah. you know happen in a very close future? Maybe two. Not, no, I don't think. Years, I don't think that's gonna be very close because it places really great responsibility on people who are driving it without a license, and you know, from a legal perspective, I feel like. If one person, if the person driving it is a fifteen-year-old guy, who guy or girl who you know runs into someone, are they responsible for the um for the damages, or can the Citroen actually be responsible for allowing that person to drive the car? Right. I think、uh, it's not about Citroen, right? It's about the government because it's a government implemented rule. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I don't think in the near future. We as human beings are ready for, you know, having like no license driving. Yeah, but, and personally, yeah, yeah. Sorry, keep going. But you know, if if、um, autonomous driving becomes the mainstream kind of way of driving, then yeah, I think there will be opportunity for people without a license to drive. And personally, I. I think I I don't think I'm ready for that change yet because have a look at that car. Have you ever seen that car before? It's、so、a like, box. Yeah, it's it's literally a box, and basically it's built to be crashed. Basically, because I'm not if you certain like all our like all the cars that's on the road right now they have a something called design. I'm pretty sure the ME is probably designed as well. It's designed to be a box, but it's designed that way so repairs are cheap. It's the whole car is made of plastic, right? In a sense, how the but then also it's like. The front bumper and the back rear bumper are the same parts, but just with different color lights. Yes.、Mm. So in a sense, I don't think I'm ready for that because I technically am a motoring enthusiast. I like cars. I like driving, and um, I don't think I'm ready. And it's going. It's traveling much slower because it has to accommodate for those people that haven't got a driver's driver's license, right? It wouldn't even go from zero to a hundred, and for those I'm talking about kilometers. And zero to sixty, if you're living in countries that use the miles unit, but yeah, it wouldn't even go that fast. But for obviously for people like Alan and so on,、um, that don't have a license and just want to get convenience and maybe you know、uh, on you know on emergency situations when they needed a car, they can just hop in and drive whenever they want, right? Obviously that's safe for them. But how do you balance those extremes, right? Where someone that have no driving experience, allowing them to able to drive this car, and also. People was great driving enthusiasm was great driver's license and still being able to, still trying to fit in those cars and ca- technically killing their passion in a sense. We won't have kids that have passion in cars. They're just gonna start building boxes. Lamborghini Aventadors are not gonna exist in the future because that's just you know not a sustainable or a fragmented way to im- implement things, right? The world will be in a worse place. Yeah, so it really is an unknown, right? It depends on what really what the government says. To be honest, at the end of the day, depends on how the government communicates with the car manufacturers and how we're gonna work this way, right? I see that car share experience, car share services has already started. I'm part of two car share services, so I subscribe to two car share s- subscriptions. So. One one being Kinto, in a sense, they supply 
all the new Toyota cars. And then on the other hand, it's flexi car, I think. I think there are flexi cars in a lot of university car parks. So I think at, um, you know, no matter if you're in Unimeld, Monash, Deakin, MIT, all the, uh, you know, um, Melbourne-based university or Victorian-based university all have like flexi cars in their car parks, right? Where university students may have a license. So those cars, you do need a license right now. And you can just click, right? You can just click unlock on your phone and the car unlocks and you rent it for a period of time that you reserved for. You pay that money, you return it back at this place. Does right? flexi cars own the cars or are they another private owner? Uh, so flexi car is owned by Hertz. You know Hertz? Hertz oh, is yeah. the car the rental, rental company, yeah. right? So they own the car technically, yeah. I'm not, yeah, but I guess they're becoming more prevalent in the in the in the city as well. You can see lots of areas they're like saying uh, flexi car parking or you know car share parking, etc. Only right. So it really is kind of heading that way in a sense. We're not going to own cars in the future, but the adoption of that is it really, you know, is it really going to work in a sense? Because it's still an unknown. We can only look at history, right? Hi- and history has told us. Have we rem- Do you guys remember that back in the days during a period of time where uh, sh- bicycle sharing was a very big thing in China? Right? Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it was a big thing in Australia, and the people yeah. were destroying the bicycles and starting and to throw it into the Yarra River. Yeah, yeah. People didn't really like it. Yeah. So, what's your take on this, Alan? What do you think about those sharing? Especially, you know, bicycle sharing, car sharing. Do you think this is a good idea? And do we? Do you think we should keep going with this? Um, just from my perspective, well, you clearly can't just simply throw a car into the Yarra River. There's probably way more responsibility, like maybe in the contract between it's the person who rents it and the company, right? So it's going to have a more serious consequence. If you do anything bad about it, yeah, cars are more expensive. But why do you think uh, concepts like bicycle sharing has failed in the past? Is it up to the community, like the um, behaviors of the community? Um. Yeah, I I will say that because back in those days, you always hear people, you know, like the stomping bicycles everywhere, and then may, some of them mm. lock those bicycles and then attempts to you know own it by themselves right destroy the bikes uh destroy the bike locks right? yeah yeah yeah, mm, yeah uh, but i think there are more factors to that like something so financially sense, something about the market yeah because um what was the name ofo ofo bike yeah didn't OFO, they end yeah. up or, yeah. owning its consumers a lot of deposit yeah, deposits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those. yeah, bonds, bonds, right? So you really, you had to pay a certain amount of money up front in order to, you know, in case you damage the bike, they'll take the money from that, like bonds, right? Uh, bond, yeah. And in a sense, if you destroy it, they don't, you don't get the money back. But on the other hand, like you said, right, OFO has been using those money, or well, ha- had or was using those money, um, like not smart, like in, unintelligently, I suppose. Probably I wouldn't say unintelligently because they probably had a business model in a way they wanted to ed- expand, right? 
they probably think it's a good concept and they wanted to expand. And they probably, you know, the common thing is that those bonds are actually not, they're actually taken from you. So they own the bonds. They say they'll give it back after you, you know, cancel the point. But at the end, it became a huge debt for them, didn't they? Because they just spent all those money on future developments or other things, right? So it became a huge debt for the company and the company went bankrupt, I think. Is that right? Um, um, yeah, no. I'm, I'm not sure. Thinking back, um, I'll probably say that what they did actually ruined the bicycle sharing industry. You know, it creates such a bad reputation because other sharing industries are still thriving, you can say, because uh, think about like sharing power banks. You can, you can, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can That's even see them in Australia now. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. surely the people's, the community's behavior hasn't changed. Still, people gonna destroy them and then uh, misuse them. But then that did not really, I don't think it made much of an impact on other industries apart from the bicycle one. Yeah, that's true because sharing of the power bank has been a pretty successful business, right? Despite sometimes, I think I think they also have built-in GPS in them, right? But so do the bikes. So yeah, it's a it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? They provide convenience for those that use them properly, but for those that don't use it properly, the the company are the ones that are left in huge debt, as it turns out. Well, okay, so now let's take a step back into what seems like to be the future of, you know, transport in a sense. So, car share. How, if, let's say, if us three are going to start a car share business, we're going to have a fleet of cars for them to borrow. How do we properly manage? What do you think the main thing or the main concept of this for it not to fail? Or how do we policy this so it's going to work properly? What are some of your ideas? Yeah, um, I feel like we are not ready to transition away from ownership. Um, we still very much would like to have our own things to enjoy for ourselves instead of sharing it with other people. Uh, especially in Australia where, you know, the first opportunity to share bikes were you know, used to destroy bikes. So, yeah, I guess yeah. that just shows that we're not ready. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think uh, for me, when I got those accounts, I had to go through a lot of security checks. Like, I had to upload my ID, have to give them my text file number. Like, they have to run a police check on me before I can do these things. So, I think that's also a good way, like, how they have, how they can hold you responsible. Unlike those boring bikes, sometimes you can just create a fake account and in a sense, they don't require you to, you know, uh, verify your real name in a sense and just borrow the bike. Just maybe just $1 and then you can just use that $1, you know, take advantage of it and throw it in the river. Yeah, that, that, that kind of shows how like regulations has been catching up to protect the businesses from these users, bad users. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And also, yeah, during, this, uh, during these lockdowns in Melbourne and in Victoria, uh, the car sharing service basically has stopped in a sense. You're not allowed to get any cars because apparently it's, well, firstly, partially, the cars won't get cleaned, the interior won't get cleaned as uh, frequently in a sense because the cars, there are tons of cars separated in so much places, right? So after each bookings, it's likely the car's not going to get deep cleaned like 
public transport ward, in a sense. And if the person could be COVID positive, it could be hazardous, in a sense, right? So again, I think that is also one way, like you said, we should still probably own our own cars. It's probably the most hygienic things, just like how we have our own toothbrush, in a sense. That's a, probably an extreme example, but I think you get what I'm trying to get from here. But but yeah, I think the future is either, well, we have a lot of autonomy coming up, but we also have a lot of uncertainty in whether transport, what is future transport going to be like? It's gonna be, there's even going to be electric planes coming, right? Are we really electrifying everything? If we're really electrifying everything, will we have enough resources to keep up and make those electricity, right? Renewable resources are great, but they come at a really extreme upfront cost, right? Solar panels and the maintain maintenance of solar panels and etc. So, at the end of the day, it is still probably would you would you two both agree that it's up to how the government and how the you know how the government's gonna implement rules and so on, that's gonna shape the future of transportation overall. No, I think I think it really depends on people that comes up with the new ideas, and you know if that gets a positive response from the general public, then the government will adopt that idea or whatever. Yeah, you can't you can't rely on government for innovation, right? You gotta rely on people like Elon Musk that comes up with these crazy ideas that just somehow works. So we should just go there by rockets everywhere then. <laughs> yeah, if that's what it takes. Well, Uber Elevate is starting a new pub, new form of transport. In ways, we are using Uber right now, but instead we're just using air taxis in a sense. So they're going to be landing sites all over the city and just go to the landing site, get on the quad, you know, the drones, but like the massive drones that you can sit in and then, yeah, go where you want. But that's a way as well. So I guess it's really broad in a sense. And like the UK, the whole of EU, right, are saying no petrol cars should be sold, like no petrol new cars should be sold by 2030. So that's pretty soon. That is in how long? Eight years' time, right? Almost nearly eight years' time. So all the ICEs are going to be stopped in Europe. So it really depends, right? depends on what's going to happen next. So after maybe ICE gets banned, we might not even have proper cars. But on the other side of the spectrum, electric cars are getting faster and faster. Tesla Model S Plaid, Remac, uh, Navara, right? Zero to, zero to 100 in nearly the 1.9 second range. How does that even feel? Well, we don't know, but that's super insanely fast. And that leads to new challenges of how to propose road safety. Do we allow those cars on the roads, right? One one second, and maybe even in the future, the cars will just levitate, don't even need tires anymore. So you can just go full or stop, right? So again, a lot of futuristic concepts, but who knows where it's going to take us, right? So if you have interesting point, or if you're not like Alan and have something to talk about on this issue, please comment on our community post, which should be coming out after this episode's release, and let us know what do you think about what the future of transportation will look like, 
right? Or you can DM us at on Instagram at Desi Dota, which will be D E C I D O T A.